Acoustic Conversations, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, sitting here with... Kurt Siffert. How y'all doing? Hey, Kurt. Uh, it seems like I just saw you. This is a marathon to have shows back-to-back like this, three days apart, four days apart. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Uh, we're This is kind of a special show because uh, we, we're welcoming... This is the first time I feel like uh, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> we're better Lang now. coming on the show yeah. like 15 times. Uh, it, we, we have Tyler Stenson uh, uh, from uh, many years ago. <laughs> uh, Tyler Stenson is back He's back from Nashville He's on a whirlwind tour A CD release tour Tyler, how are you? I'm doing amazing oh, It is great amazing. to see you, man You, you too, haven't man. changed a bit really? Look at you <laughs> I got Just, a haircut <laughs> Not too much <laughs> No, no <laughs> Actually, last time I saw you I had a, I had a buzz cut for six years yeah. And you saw me at its longest in six years And so this time it's just Shaped. This is shaped. Oh, <laughs> shaped. Yeah, you're almost a little longer down down on the chin level yeah, than you are up yeah, top. Yeah, so. Rugged. Oh. This is what Nashville does to you, right? <laughs> Turns you real rugged. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we have. I'm so excited to hear uh, where you've been uh, since the last time we talked. What's been going on uh, in Nashville? How that move has treated you? The CD release, Bittersweet Parade, is out now, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so we're going to talk all about that as we catch up over the next hour or so. But uh, thought we might start with a song. Let's do it. This is track number one off Bittersweet Parade. It's called Welcome to Change. I was thinking tomorrow, but I just might leave today. Cause more and more these city streets all seem to lead one way. And that scenery is constant, the landscape's so plain. Anything separate from where I stand And I'll proudly brave this new world That exists outside your hand I'll be a shadow to you, honey I'll become the land Don't be surprised if I'm hard to find Cause I'll know where I am I'll be changing And so I So I So I Welcome the change I'm in love with the stars Cause I envy how they hang As constant constellations in an ever-changing space Cause I've been alive for one instant And I can already feel me fade away And unlike them I begin to blend like a color against the same That ain't me and so I, so I will come to change. 
gets the beat Slows and rushes in And it hangs on every single word That's ever crossed your lip It slows down till I stand still Drunkard in the wind Right in time with the downbeat Catches on again And so Feel it coming Oh, oh I, So, oh, I, So, oh, I Walk on the chain Welcome to Change off of Tyler Stenson's newest uh, CD, uh, uh, Bittersweet Parade. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tyler, uh, man, Nashville. Uh, so it, it's been, like I said, many, many years since we've seen you, and, and uh, I kind of want to cover uh, some lost ground. Because uh, I don't really remember Nashville coming up in the last episode. It, it didn't. It's like he was holding something out uh, <laughs> on us. And then suddenly we get this surprise uh, decision that he's going to move out, and he may or may not pay the rent. <laughs> What? Where were you when you you made the decision to uh, to uh, to relocate? How how did that come about? Um, the the thought to relocate was on the brain. I was uh, essentially looking as of May uh, of last year. I was looking to possibly make a big move. Um, and as I did a tour down through California, I was thinking Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it was going to, for me, in my eyes, it was going to be Los Angeles, New York, or Nashville. I was going to do the big move and, and really make it happen for myself. And I didn't think I liked L.A., and I went through, and I did kind of like it enough to where, <laughs> well, I played beach volleyball and had a good time. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this can't is, go wrong this, with that. That's a lifestyle. Is this right? is the place. Absolutely. Um, but as I got home back to Portland um, and told people about it, um, people decidedly or unanimously were... Uh, you're not an L.A. guy. You are not an L.A. guy. You're not an L.A. guy. I, I really started to believe him. But the beach volleyball. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I'm so good. <laughs> no, my family's a volleyball family. It was just a ton of fun. Um, but uh, a couple people chirped um, Nashville in my ear. And I'd lived in Alabama for my freshman year of college. I went to Auburn. And so I pretty much vowed not to return to the South um, through my own personal reasons. But um, uh, so I was like, no, I'm not going, but I don't want to go to Nashville. I don't want to go to Nashville. Um, um, but it came up enough. And I talked to my best friend who lives in Atlanta, who's trying to relocate to Nashville. He just, he just spoke highly of it and said it, it fit my vibe. It fit, um, you know, my MO as, as they say. But um, I'm, I'm curious what, I mean, when you, when you say it fits your vibe, your MO, there's, there's this other piece. Yeah. If one thing I remember uh, very distinctly about our, our, our last conversation is that you, you have a 
a, a real focus around the business. And, and if there's anything we've seen from you over the last year, it's, it's a real drive to build your marketing and PR connections and really, you know, drive that connection with your audience, uh, you know, as an extension of the music. What is it about Nashville that you found was, was going to satisfy you in that front in, in building your music business? Um, I've always viewed myself as more of a, um, or how I, how I expose my, my focus and my goal in life is to be much more on the grassroots personal, personable side. And I had caught wind that LA had its cutthroat nature and it was a hustle that I didn't want to, I don't like the hustle. I, I enjoy, I enjoy the race, but I don't like the heartless hustle. And it had, LA had been called that or brought to my attention a couple times that it was, it was kind of on the, um, competitive side and i heard nashville was much more communal uh much more uh peer-to-peer um and also um a big part of my you know i suppose long-term strategy in life is i want to be the artist i want to write my own songs but if if for some reason that doesn't come to be um i still think songwriting is something i want to do forever and nashville is um it's the songwriting capital of the world and i would give it to just my short couple months there so far i would it's it's blatantly obvious why it's so between between the between the kindness and the grassroots side of things and uh the communal side of things uh i just felt like it was more my pace so tell us more a little bit like logistically i mean how were you making the decision to actually go to nashville what kind of stuff did you have to do in it to actually enable the move so that's that's part of the funny story because it uh, I really only told you the thought process coming up to the move uh, the 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 thought process to move in general was a long time coming but the thought process um, when Nashville clicked on the brain um, I called a former guest of yours Matt Verba who's living down there I called him just to say hey man I'm thinking this is August fifteenth ish. I'm thinking about moving to Nashville. What's your what's your ideas? You know, how do you think it's going for you? Is it is it what it's cracked up to be? Where should I expect to live, et cetera, et cetera? And he's like, Well, when do you think you'll be here? And I was like, I don't know, November ish. And he said, Well, I'm moving for six months, October first. <laughs> so you can sublet my apartment. And I said i'll see you october 1st and thus the acoustic conversations alumni association was born. <laughs> exactly right so i'm i'm subletting a, a place from from matt verba right now and the decision i called him really just i wanted information and uh i left the conversation saying i'll see you uh in 1.5 months wow That's fantastic. and so i had mentally prepared for the move like a move and when that apartment fell in my lap i was like i'd be stupid it was the move this is the move this is happening so that was a big shift just to the space of one phone conversation though you must have been freaking out a little bit me or him (laughs) or you (laughs) well maybe i mean he doesn't know how you live (laughs) (laughs) exactly now uh we've run we've crossed paths a couple times and uh i think we got a good thing going between us in terms of just camaraderie and stuff and so uh um I trusted his word and he trusted me to sublet his place and pay, pay the bills. You know, I, I'm a man of my word and whatnot, but, uh, I don't know. I, I actually felt a little, uh, again, mentally I prepared to, to leave Oregon, uh, for quite a while. And so, um, when, when that fell in my lap, it, 
uh, it's a bit of an aligning of the stars in a way because a couple other things happened. You know, like um, a freelance job fell in my lap uh, within two weeks after that. Like the stars aligned, and so it was. It was actually more of a comfort to like, well, this is happening too easily. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you say worried? no to that path? It, exactly right. Unfurling um, in front of you. So I actually told I actually told my my best friends here. Are, they're like, are you scared? You know, blah blah blah. I was like, I I don't have a single emotion, uh, negative emotion right now. In fact, I thought I would uh, I thought I would drive out of Portland, tears in my eyes because. I, I tend to have microbursts if if I if I lash out emotionally it's like why am I crying you know like yeah. it's a microburst and I I never once shed a tear and it was only because not because I didn't miss it I absolutely miss Portland but it's uh, it's I've felt such an ease such a comfort the entire time so I, I'll take it for whatever sign it is. You said uh, you said your brief experience there has has really um, uh, proven that it's. It's the kind of place that that you can get your music business uh, moving. I'm I'm curious if it, you know how those early expectations and early bits of advice that you got have paid out for you. Uh, um, you know what did do you feel like now that you're there? Apart from it being a really good experience, do you, do you feel like your music has has been uh, met warmly? Did you have any fans there when you got there? People who'd heard you and would come out to your shows or. I knew I knew one person going into Nashville, and it was Matt Verba. So he moved, and he was gone. And he's yeah. gone. So, um, but uh, I had a couple of really great things happen to me uh, musically. Uh, and I say musically because uh, personally, I had some horrible things happen to me within the first week. But musically, we can we can talk about that in a second. But um, musically, I had the opportunity within the first week to go to a thing that's called. Um, it was basically. Nashville's version of South by Southwest. It's I think it's called the New Nashville. And the first show I went to in Nashville was called Ten Out of Ten, Tennessee's top ten acts. And so the first show I went to made me feel like the smallest individual on in the world. In the world, like I'm a small fish. You know, this is what am, what am I doing? <laughs> um, but by the end of the show, uh, each and every one of them was fantastic. But by the end of the show, I did have a comfort in me, like that's achievable. Like that's, if that's the bar, I now know what, what to work toward, et cetera. Um, so that immediately gave me kind of a, a frame of reference to work with. And then I hit the ground running in terms of, um, finding gigs and gigs in Nashville aren't, they're not, um, approach the club owner blindly, give him a press kit and hope, hope he likes you and whatnot. It's literally, uh, the songwriter circles are peer booking. And so I met a guy at that at that concert that first concert i went to who was a fellow songwriter he called me the next morning saying hey i'm booking around because nashville's um for the thing i do is pretty much all songwriting rounds um which is three people take stage at once and you rotate one song after the other so the guy the, uh, the guy called me the next morning saying hey i have a, I have a cancellation can you play tonight Absolutely. So I had my first gig in Nashville. Within two weeks? W- within two weeks, because I spent the first week on my floor with swine flu. <laughs> so, oh. so that's that's part of the... That, that was one of... Welcome the, to Nashville. That, that was one of the couple things oh. that happened um, in, within the first week. Um, and so I got a gig from that, but then it was three of us on stage, so the third person uh, liked what I had going on and asked me to play a show with them, and... And from there, it's like, it's just, uh, you know, cells dividing, you know, in terms of 
Um, when every time you get on stage, you're meeting somebody else who who's you've booking never around with tomorrow booking. night. Yeah. You know, so rather than one club owner booking everything, he appoint he gives the power to one musician, saying, "Hey, bring two musicians with you that you respect." And so, um, and and um, so that's happened a couple times to where. Um, so one group will go up and then another group will go up after, et cetera. Um, the power is given to one of the individuals to bring uh, his fellow musicians that he respects. So that's why I like Nashville in terms of um, it's more about meeting your fellow musicians than impressing a club owner uh, to get to get the shows. But uh, to answer your question, if I feel warm, warmly received, um, I had um, – my, I had a friend call me um, who was there for two weeks on business um, before I got there calling me and said, Tyler, everyone here can sing the lights out. Everyone here, you know, is is a star in the making. Um, but what they what they lack is um, content in terms of what he basically said. Everybody is writing the next country hit. And so he says, when you come here, I challenge you to stick to your, your, your melancholy, heartfelt guns. <laughs> you know, uh, he said, I challenge you to like stick to the Tyler Stenson way of life. And that's, that's blowing it out of proportion, obviously. But he said, stick to your guns and you'll make an impact. And one thing I've heard every time I get off stage is that that was refreshing. That was a breath of fresh air. Um, and it's, and I don't think it's because I, I write the most amazing songs in the world. I think it's because I've been called many times not Nashville. You know, I, it's one of the things I'm, I wanted to ask you that I'll, I'll sort of ask now that you've already answered it. Uh, it. When you hear somebody, at least for me, when I hear somebody's making a move to Nashville, usually it's because they want to become part of the country establishment. That's my assumption. And it's probably wrong, but, but that's just how I've always sort of understood it. That's what everybody else you, you, expect, you don't do country you music. Expect right. You're not. I mean, I. You know, as much as as you know, uh, you've got some tunes that have a little country bent to them. That you're. I don't consider you a country artist. And so, uh, you know, so the Nashville audience sees you as as refreshing. Uh, how hard is it to? Do, do have you found it difficult to to kind of fight the urge to bend to the trend in Nashville, or or has it been pretty easy to keep your guns? It's easy to keep my guns because I I walked in with my head. Uh, it's split in half in terms of uh, I told myself uh, this half year this half of your existence is for your music it, no co-writing stick to your guns um, keep it as pure as pure as pure as possible um, and then the other half said all right but there's a lot of money in songwriting and um, the the craft of songwriting so the other half of me said co-write get on some co-writes um play play the nashville game and if anything if you get a cut um aside from any income from it it's legitimate legitimacy for your, your portfolio or your resume in the future so i just i basically walked in saying you're not country but if you put your mind to it you could write a country song and so half of me doesn't co co-write half of me doesn't compromise on on my stuff that you'll hear on my discs and the other half but of the you other is half. a complete sellout <laughs> the other half is open to the opportunity to co-write with other people tyler stenson not cheap but he can be bought uh you know i think uh, both kurt and i we've been talking about it as you were coming over we're very interested in the process of co-writing and, mm -hmm. and how that went for you uh, but i i'm hoping maybe you'll do another song for us and then we can uh, jump into that. yep that i can do um 
Welcome to Change was was the prequel to the move. Um, I think I'll play a song that was the first song I wrote in in Nashville, and uh, it's called Leave Oregon. So it's the uh, it's the sequel. <laughs> Well, it's the loudest sound When the heart knows what it wants And makes it known And so I'm leaving town Cause it's the season that changes all things into gold But who is I to leave for gone? When the rear view facing west held all I loved And before me was October Where I might become my own fall But might never know my cards until I call Deep in the lion's den I've noticed autumn holds a difference in the east Made up of different reds Well that color's bold but just a lonely shade of dream Oh who's out of leave or gone When the real view facing west held all I love And before me was October Where I might become my own fall but I never know my cards until I call This is my loudest sound And it's meant for no one but my loved ones in the West Well, I'll aim to make you proud On a southern stage lit by the lights doing what I do best So you see, I had to leave Oregon Though the real view facing west held all I loved And before me was October Where I might become my own fall But I never know my cards till I call So who's out of leave or gone When the real view facing west held all I loved and before me was October, where I might become my own fall, but might never know my cards until I call. Before me was October, where I might become my own fall, but might never know my cards until I call.
it's it's like it was written just for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a great tune. See, it's 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 not uh, you know leaving Oregon without any any reservations. It's it's absolutely for Oregon. But I'll let you know when I play that. I that's actually, that's the first song I play when, when I'm on stage in Nashville. Um, but I always make the disclaimer. I don't want to perpetuate the stereotype that it's Oregon. Mm-hmm. I was going to so say, maybe say you've, is, you've jumped it, right in. It is Oregon. <laughs> but. Uh, well, at least he remembers his roots. In, in terms of syllables. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Oregon. <laughs> yeah, he kind of had to. So. Yeah, so my dad's going to like you more with that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> he still hasn't learned it. I've lived here 10 years. He still hasn't learned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, now that you've been down to Nashville, the songwriting capital of the world, mm-hmm. uh, you've, you say you've, you've jumped into this co-writing uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that? Uh, how have you been able to uh, identify kind of your voice and style, or how does your voice and style, um, uh, you know, affect your co-writing for somebody who's not going to sing, or when you're not going to sing that song? Um, I've really, I've really only done it a couple times, um, just for the experience, and um, they've been the largest learning experiences of of my artistic life, you know, in terms of, um, you go in with, uh, um, when you write your own songs, you know, you can be as particular as you want and you can, you, you know, it's just an internal battle so you can stand up for yourself against yourself. But, um, when you go into a co-writing session, um, it's really, uh, I, I, I always, I would always want my name to be on the best product possible, but you, you still have to say, uh, check your pride at the door check your, um, you know, make sure you're full of compromise and, and whatnot. And so when the songs aren't written for me, um, I will admit that I haven't led a co-writing session yet. Um, what does it mean to lead a co-writing session? Uh, you come in with the, with the idea mm-hmm. and, um, um, uh, we all came in with ideas. Um, but I'll admit that I, I wanted to pursue the other guy's idea because I, uh, being my first co-writing session, I wanted to assist him in connecting the dots to his song versus me leading the session, meaning here's my idea, what are your ideas to help out? Right, right. Um, so it was, it, it was uh, quite honestly, a bit more passive role that I took. Um, sure. My first one was actually with three, I was the third guy. So it was a, it was a trio writing the song. And each of us said our ideas, and I, uh, I just suggested let's go with let's go with yours. Um, and um, I think it was more of a way to just kind of like uh, be be part of the wallpaper. You right. Know? So are these people that you met like through your your songs in the round uh, concerts, or how did you um, get hooked up with this? In the actually, first place? one of them's name is uh, Lyman Lewis, who is a uh, Portland songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to Nashville for two weeks, and he wanted to co-write with. Uh, I think he wanted to write multiple songs per day while he was there, and so he looked me up saying, uh, "Hey, you want to be in on one of the sessions?" So I did, and um, uh, so I went to my first co-writing session with a Portland musician, and the third guy there was uh, not from Nashville either. He was doing the same thing Ly- uh, Lyman did, and his name is Alan Chevelle. Um, and so we, we went and I, you know, met Alan for the first time, which was 
kind of odd. Uh, you know, it's a blind date in a way, but it's kind of like, hey, we're about to we're about to write a song together, and I know nothing about you. Huh. He turned out to be one of the nicest guys on the planet and uh, a great songwriter. But uh, we ended up going with one of Lyman's ideas, um, and it was a more or less, hey guys, I have I have this particular idea. Um, you're gonna help me execute it, um, and so. Um, it was really a series of one guy would throw out a line and the disclaimer is no idea is a bad idea. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> they were bad ideas uh, and I was responsible for many of them. So, <laughs> so, um, but I enjoyed the process because um, it was almost like I could look at a song at a 10,000 foot view and say, um, um, all right, you have line one and three. What's the, what's the perfect verbiage? up for a second line that would connect one and three. And I kind of liked that 10,000 foot jigsaw puzzle where it's, um, to me as a third party, somebody not emotionally invested in the song thinks that this thought connects one and three. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we actually ended up writing two songs that day. Um, I think the second one was the better one, probably as a result of like, getting to know each other a bit more. Um, yeah, it was a series of throwing ideas out there, and uh, we always had a topic in mind, and we did kind of do a uh, a roadmap, like first verse will be about this in the chorus. But we were writing uh, with the Nashville formula in mind. Um, what first, is the What is the Nashville formula? You know, I haven't I haven't talked to anybody who laid it out for me, but I do know it's a series of. Um, uh, uh, of course needs to happen within the first 30 seconds. So like, uh, don't That's bore, quick. don't, <laughs> don't bore us. Wait, uh, don't bore us. Give us the chorus, um, is one of the rules. Um, the other one is the second verse. Um, it needs to be, um, I forget the exact words, but, uh, it can't be more of the same. It needs to be, um, what's the next step in this story or what's the next, um, what's new or what's different rather than more of the same. Um, um, what I feel like I see a lot is where, um, you know, the chorus might be about the same, but by the time you get to the last verse, you got like this twist. You oh, got a it's twist. Like a punchline. You know, we did it. We did a twist. Yeah? Absolutely. The the song we wrote is called "She Changes Things," uh-huh. and um, um, Lyman's idea was I I like the title "She Changes Things," and it's about a girl who comes in and like all of a sudden your radio stations are different in your car and. Uh, et cetera. So a girl yeah. who comes in like a wrecking ball and just kind of changes the life. And actually, nice uh, the first question um, I asked was, is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, is it a, is the guy experiencing good changes or did she come in and, you know, basically really wreck, destroy <laughs> re- everything? Yeah, yeah. Succubus really, really, <laughs> really ruined his life. Um, and we went, we went for the positive vibe. And so she changes things is a, the first verse is about this hopeless bachelor drinking his beer in Vegas with his buddies. And the first chorus is, uh, and then he meets the girl and uh, she comes in and changes the bachelor pad. And, and so she changes things. And then there's the chorus. And the second verse is they're getting married at the time, you know, and he's never seen his, his groomsman look so, look so dapper uh, because she changes things. Uh, and then the, the bridge is uh, nine months later, we have a baby girl. And she, she changes. changes. Things. Okay, there, so, there you go. So there is a punchline. There, I mean, <laughs> and it was my first time ever writing a song with any with with the formula in mind and with the radio in mind and whatnot. 
and it was a it was a bizarre experience because uh, my stuff is my my personal music is um, I wouldn't call it anti radio, but it's uh, I don't write with too much of a well, pop twist. Yeah, in I mind. mean that formula and sort of the Nashville sort of country singing or country singer songwriter is a very progressive storytelling vibe. Yeah. You know, it's it's got to be almost it needs to be far more literal than you tend to be. Uh, it, that was the challenge because there were a couple lines I th- I threw out um, that didn't get accepted because they weren't they weren't as literal as they needed to be. In fact, I thought the song we wrote was as literal as can be. But when when uh, Lyman and Allen both took it to their um, to their reviewers, um, uh, they wanted there were a couple lines that were that were um, uh, still over over the head. Um, and it was a matter of uh, at one of them we said. Um, my six buddies were there to see the first time she laid eyes on me. I dropped my keystone light and I never looked back. He wanted to know, where are you? Like you're standing there. And so he, that's why I said Vegas. Cause the, the rewrite is in Vegas when we were standing there, you know, wow. and also uh, keystone light, um, wasn't popular enough of a brand. So we just changed it to uh six pack, uh, uh, cold six pack and never looked back, yeah. you know? So, so I thought things that were that were as blatant as can be were um, they were still reviewed by the uh, by the uh, by the critiquer uh, uh, as still a little uh, over over the top. So how how did you guys handle like the business side of thing when you when you come into that? Is it like you just you agree to split songwriting credits three ways? Three is ways, it, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and I will I will also say that she changes things. Um, their reviewers, though they had a couple things to say, um, they both came back to the conversation saying that um, it was the best received song they'd ever submitted. And so we agreed to do a demo, meaning I think for about $550, you hire a Nashville studio to take your song and record it how Nashville wants it to sound. A, a you know quintessential male country singer and a telecaster guy who can just rip it the first time and nail it. And so we haven't done that yet, but uh, we've decided to demo it. So it is, you know, in its physical form. And I'm excited about that too. Um, uh, it's, it's not a song I would, I would ever play because it would stand out like a sore thumb within my set, but uh, it was still exciting to be a part of the whole thing. I'd be proud to have my name on it. If Dirk Bentley was singing it, I could say, I wrote that song. <laughs> It would be very cool to me. Like, uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed the experience. And the other one, the other co-write I did was um, much of the same. Uh, we went in. It was actually my, my idea. The I suppose I could say I led this session in terms of uh, I. We ended up running with the idea that I brought to the table, and st- still the same kind of things happen. That song's not done, so there's more to it, but. Uh, but is that a song, I mean, that it was your idea, is it a song that you would end up playing? How does the life of a song that you're writing with a, a co-writing team, how does that differ from... I, have, I haven't decided if I would play this song or not, because we really, um, we only have the concept and a couple lines, and so um, um, I haven't decided if this is a song that fits my... We are writing it uh, commercially minded, and so that right there tells yeah. me that it might... Once the Nashville formula is applied, it may no longer fit the Tyler exactly. Formula. And and I don't know how to explain my opposition to the to the formula. It's just um, I think my music is um, 
you know, it celebrates the kind of obscurities, you know, and, and some, some ambiguity, you know, like it kind of doesn't lay it out there for you. And so, uh, um, I'll play a song later today that is as storyteller as I'll get, but I still think it has like a, a mystery to it in a way. So, um, I don't know how to explain it, but, um, we'll see how this one pans out before I'll agree to adopt it or not. But again, my name's on it, so it's a really bizarre thing to say. Like I wrote that song, but I would never play it. <laughs> you know, it's and and that, that to me is just a different different thought process than I've ever been used to. Let's do another song. Oh, let's do blush. This is uh, this took me six years to write, and um, I'll admit because it's more conceptual. It's it's about a word blush rather than uh, rather than something that actually happened to me, but. Um, Sign of a temperature rise spreads across your face. And in an instant, you know what love is like. Oh 
colors, crimson and rose, and it burns all your eyes as it crawls on your face in the skies. As this thing that comes rushing love to the head means nothing more than proof we're alive. We are in orbit, oh, with blood red cheeks. I could break at the seams, and the insides of me could float on above everything. Sides of me could float on above everything. And the insides of me could float on above everything. Collecting nouns with blush, Tyler with blush. Stinson, <laughs> off of the uh, off of the newest one, uh, Bittersweet Parade. So, uh, six years to get that song to where you like it. How does that hit audiences when you play it in Nashville? I have not played that song in Nashville. Really? Uh, Nashville, I've yet to play more than five songs in an evening. Typically, it's more like three, uh, maybe one. So I find myself playing the same pool of, of, of six songs. And yeah, the go-to tunes. The go-to tunes. And so um, uh, actually the album released the other night was the first time I'd play that song live. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Bittersweet Parade. Okay. Um, we're, I, you know, we were going through the, in the pre-show talking about the songs that you played for us last time. And, and uh, you know, five of the tracks that we did last time ended up on, on Bittersweet Parade. And it's just a real... Um, it's a real treat to hear kind of the evolution of those tracks. As I was going to say, you'll notice lyrical changes across the board. All, and, every one of them. Yeah, because I was writing the album at the time we did the interview, so I was so excited that these songs are kind of done. Right, right. I wanted Ish. to play. Yeah, I wanted to play them, but I, you'll absolutely know notice lyrical changes. And, uh, but talk a little bit about the about the process of, of building that. This uh, refresh me. What? How many CDs uh, does this make for you, Bittersweet Praise? This, this makes seven. Seven, including Lander and... It, it, that includes a Lander. It includes Lander Live at Mississippi Studios. Okay. Um, it includes my first album I did when I was 18. The, and The ghetto bootleg. Yeah, nobody find. will ever hear it. But it was a full album nonetheless. Right, right. And so this is my seventh album, but it's my fifth that you'll be able to find on iTunes and CD Baby and whatnot. So there, there are a couple that I haven't... So <laughs> now that you've hit now that you've hit you know seven albums, uh, what do you feel like are the key lessons that you learned in actually um, you know going into studio and and laying down these tracks uh, that you feel like you've been able to bring into your into your music business, your performance? Um, one thing I've learned is um, uh, the whole writing process. I don't uh, essentially. I don't pursue songs that I don't think are are album worthy, and so I've I've been more efficient on the front end in terms of I'm only writing songs that I I personally view to be album worthy. Um, so um, so actually, um, from the moment I start writing a song, I start to think of its 
place on the next album. So like Leave Oregon, I is I I know the vibe for the for album number eight. Leave Oregon will is you know it'll lead the charge. It'll so lead the, lead yeah. the charge. So uh, does that mean that you have more like false starts when you're writing songs than you used it, to? It actually um, I don't start songs until they're ready to go. Like uh, one of my things is. Um, and, uh, I don't sit down and write a song. It's mm-hmm. it it's a natural progression within itself in terms of um, uh, one of the songs I'll be playing, which is off of the album, is called Blush. And uh, it's it's a song that six years ago I decided I liked the word blush and therefore wanted to write a song about it. Yeah. But um, uh, it's only because I liked the word. It wasn't a personal experience. And so it took me six years to to justify writing a song about it. What is it going to be about it? It's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I don't have many false starts. It's, but only because I'm like, uh, OCD selective about which songs even get the kickstart, you know, which songs even say it sounds, it sounds pretty ruthless, man. You've got to be pretty hard on yourself to be able to, 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 or hard on your process to be able to let go of, of, concepts that i imagine yeah. concepts still have to kind of drift into i keep a journal right? i keep a, a, a book oh, i didn't bring it today yeah. but um i do keep a journal if i hear a cool word um it makes it into the book i have a randoms page that you know so i'll revisit once a year and um yes yeah, so, well so how well formed would you say a song is like in your head or conceptually before you actually start going to the point of sitting down and wrestling with it um to me, it needs to have a a roadmap. Um, it needs to have um, what am I trying to achieve in this song? Um, it it doesn't need to have like okay, I have the chorus now. I need the verses. It's 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 more of a conceptual thing where uh, I just I just really need to see that it has purpose in terms of is there is there a first verse? Is there justification for a second verse? Like, is it good enough to keep going? Um, does the chorus bridge the gap between the two, et cetera. But, uh, but just also the extension of what you were saying, um, I, I really don't sit down and wrestle a song. I, I'll, uh, I have five songs at any given moment kind of, and that's not the rule to be five, but I have songs in my head at any given moment that most of them surface while I'm driving in the car. Um, I'll kind of grind them out. Um, because I had actually read a book a long time ago. It's more of a pamphlet, but it was geared towards advertising, saying a technique for producing ideas. And what it says is to collect resources, collect all available data, collect you know, like collect information, and then uh, and then grind it. Like let your head try to attempt to connect all possible combinations. Try to connect each dot. Just evaluate your options and just try to uh, try to grind it out grind it out grind it out and then the technique for producing ideas suggests that you forget about it and move on and that your subconscious never forgets about it and so two years down the road um whistle stop is the best example of that one of my older songs called whistle stop my poetry teacher said the word whistle stop so i wrote it in my books i'd never heard it and i loved i loved just the you know, I just like trains, I guess you could say. But um, <laughs> so I wrote it in the book, and uh, actually, I went home that day and tried to write a song called Whistle Stop, but it turned out to be t- the type of thing that wasn't personal. It was like, oh, sitting at a train station and blah, blah, blah. And I had it had no legs, and so I just scrapped it, forgot about it. Um, and two years later, um, a 
an unfortunate thing happened, but it, it sparked the, the, the thought in my head of life's a train. You don't know what's going to, you don't know when the next whistle stop is. So in the meantime, live loudly, you know, so that, that thought in one just instant came into my head. Um, and it justified the word I thought of two years earlier to, to finally have its legs and its roadmap, you know, um, cause having that roadmap helps you introduce the first verse and it helps you achieve in the second verse and it helps you wind it down in the third. And so then you're kind of more on your, your jigsaw puzzle mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you saw my writing book, it's like, it's, it's, I draw, I physically draw empty lines and then I write the line that I do have. And then the next one I'll physically draw an empty line. Um, so I, I enjoy the roadmap. And another thing I do is I ad lib endlessly and I almost create like a vowel map where I, it's like, well, this line, I don't have any lyrics for it, but I know it ends in an O and I know it rhymes with the, with the third line down that is also going to end with an O. And so it, it is this jigsaw puzzle of, I know how many syllables it's going to be. I know it's going to end with an O and I know it's going to have to do with this. Now, what is the best, what's the best combination? And, uh, I have a brother who's a poet. Um, and I just found out that his, his process is collecting nouns, which was interesting to me where he just collects nouns before he writes a poem. And I come to find out that that's kind of what I'm doing right. also. The same path. So same path. So, uh, how, how'd you feel about the album release the other night? Uh, you just played, it was at the, um, where was it? It was L- Lola's, Lola's room. Lola's room. Yeah. Uh, the big, uh, big album release party for Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, how'd you feel about it? I had I had mixed emotions, but they were all they were all cloud nine, you know. Um, um, I had moved away from Portland, and so this is my first time back in three months. And so, uh, album release was kind of second <laughs> to the fact that I shared an evening with people I haven't seen in three months. And um, uh, I grew up in, in West Lynn, Oregon, and I can honestly say. I haven't counted, but I would say a, a decade of Westlinians was represented. I have a, a friend who is four years younger, and then I had a friend who showed up who's uh, four or five years older. And uh, so my hometown is so sweet to me. Um, but album release aside, I shared the night with like the greatest people I know. And to be back in Portland and to have your name on the marquee at the crystal ballroom. Very like, cool. It's just like, it's so, so heartwarming and whatnot. But then the album release itself, um, uh, I think about 220 people were there. It was a seated show. Um, it was, I had a kind of an odd, um, ensemble with me. I had mandolin and accordion and then a percussionist rather than a drummer. And so it was kind of a fun little makeup. It was all guys who performed on the album. Um, but, um, accordions only on two songs on the album, but this, uh, this guy played with me, you know, for five or six songs and it's just like it, uh, I couldn't have changed a thing about it. It, uh, In my eyes, the bittersweet parade was, was all sweetness. You know, it was, it was just fantastic. That's wonderful. So what is, uh, what is next for you? You head back to Nashville and uh, when do you, uh, you leave very soon, right? I leave February 3rd. So I'm, I'm in town for another week. Um, I'm doing a, a mini McMinimins tour where um, next week I'll be playing at the Edgefield, uh, the White Eagle, 
Hotel Oregon and the Grand Lodge. So I cover a decent part of, of Northwest Oregon, you know. Sure. Um, um, but when I get back to Nashville, um, between the holiday and this Portland vacation, I've been a little actually distant from Nashville. Um, I actually felt like I had amazing momentum leading up to Christmas break. And then I went, I went to my parents' house for two weeks. And I go mm-hmm. back to Nashville for a week and a half. So and I didn't really back, sink in. Yeah. And I come back to Portland. Uh, so my, my goal for when I get back to Nashville is to tackle 2010, um, uh, achieve what I wanted to achieve in 2010, and um, uh, exploits a, har- har- a harsh word, but like utilize the c- contacts I've made, you know. Um, uh, so my goal is just finally feel settled and, and to start run with the with the bricks that I've kind of built um, already. Where uh, where would you like people to find you uh, uh, when they go looking for Tyler Stenson, searching the uh, the vast and woolly interwebs? Um, I am very proud of TylerStenson.com. Uh, uh, it's a site I, I built myself, and so it it's something I stay up late late nights tweaking <laughs> in the smallest fashion. In fact, I refreshed it all for the Bittersweet Parade. Uh, you'll notice a whole different vibe. It looks great. Thank you, you very just much. On, it looks great. Thank you very I, much. I knew I could I could feel your knuckles blood like <laughs> right in there, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah like the smallest little tweaks, like yeah. Uh, every every night I stay up pretty late doing the smallest little tweaks. Um, but I am proud to say that TylerStenson.com will point you to CDBaby.com backslash Tyler Stenson, uh, iTunes backslash Tyler Stenson. Um, I'm on most of the majors, uh, mo- most of those major distribution outlets. Um, but one thing I would like to point out is that I have old band names as well. Um, Rhetoric Tuesday and Lander are both... Uh, songs that I, I wrote and bands I put together and I just am recently solo under Tyler Stenson but Rhetoric Tuesday and Lander are uh, just an extension of other things to, uh, to of look other things. for yes, all right, yes. All right. <laughs> Tyler man thank you so much for making the time oh my to, pleasure yeah it's great to, to see you again it really is just great to see you and you're just up to such good stuff and, thanks to uh, both of you thank you very much just thrilled to have you here and, and for us uh, what do we have to say you well, I guess that? the main news for us is that uh, you know, we have a new Facebook uh, fan page. If you go to facebook.com slash acoustic conversations, you can become a fan. It's uh, started to go a little bit viral, and uh, you can join in on that by inviting all of your friends that you think might enjoy the show to, to join up. Uh, we got a little community starting there. Some of our former artists are starting to talk to each other on the page, and uh, it's, it's a good time. So that, that would be a, a good new place to come check us out. You can also you, uh, subscribe to the show. Just search for us in uh, the iTunes store. You can search for it. It's available for free. You get all the high-quality tracks, uh, 256-bit uh, AAC audio of all the, the uh, songs that we get on Acoustic Conversations. And uh, uh, you get some in the, sh- in the show feed in iTunes that you do not get in, uh, in, by listening to the show. Uh, by itself. So if you uh, if you're not subscribing, then you're missing out. If you're just listening to the show on the web, you are missing out uh, some great tracks. So please do that. Um, and uh, we have anything else? Is that, it seems like our announcements are really short. Usually it's because we're we're hemming and hawing a little bit. More yeah, we've got, I think we're very I've, serious today. <laughs> I f- forgot to mention that uh, yeah. TylerStenson.com in the footer yeah. connects you to MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Because Tyler is a he's a prolific Twitterer. Yes, he's on the Twitter quite often, more than we are, maybe. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Uh, You're connected. I'm an online presence. You're a connected Let's dude. Way. Let's say that, right? 
thank you. Uh, thanks again to Tyler. Uh, thank you, Kurt. Thank you, everybody who has downloaded the show on behalf of uh, everybody. Uh, and uh, you know what else? I want to give a shout out to our man, Josh Olswinger, who uh, has been writing us emails saying, when is Tyler going to play? Because I know he's coming back and he's my favorite. <laughs> nice. He's, he's, he's our, our, our man in Boise who mixes the show for us. Josh, huh? but, Yeah. Thanks, Josh. He's good egg and he says, if you ever hit Boise, you got to look him up. Josh I will. Olswinger, I will. Session I just, one audio. He's good egg. Yeah. I have a sister who lives there, so she's trying to pull me out. Oh, excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All the more. So that one's, this one's for Josh. <laughs> Thanks, we Josh. We love you, Josh. Uh, <laughs> And uh, thanks to everybody. We will catch you next time on Acoustic Conversations.